I don't know about you, but I love that last song. It just helps me connect with God, I guess is the best way to put it. It's a great and powerful message there that God loves us. And uh, before I get into the, my comments for this morning, um, if I could only say one thing to you, and if I only have one prayer, it would be that you know God loves you. In fact, turn to your neighbor and just, would you just tell your neighbor God loves you? If you don't have a neighbor, you're sitting too far from people. <laughs> God loves you. And I hope you love me. Um, a little bit of a risk here, but uh, did you hear about the new, new store in New York City that sells husbands? Yep, the store sells husbands. There are six floors to this store, and on each floor they list the attributes of the women, uh, to the women, the attributes of the husbands that are available on that floor. And so a woman goes to the husband store in New York City to find a husband. And on the first floor is this sign. These men have jobs, and they love the Lord. Now, there are two rules I forgot to mention. There are a couple rules here. Once you pick a husband, you can never go back to the store again. And when you pick your husband, you go back down to the first floor and you exit. So that's it. You know, once you made your pick, you're done. Now, on the second floor, the sign said, These men have jobs, love the Lord, and love kids. Third floor. These men have jobs, love the Lord, love kids, and are extremely good-looking. Wow, this woman thinks. That's, that's pretty compelling. But uh, I wonder what's on the fourth floor. So she goes up another floor and reads the sign. These women have jobs. They love the Lord. They love kids. They're drop-dead gorgeous. And they help with housework. Oh, she says, that sounds pretty good, but I wonder what's on the next floor. So she goes up another floor. These men have jobs. They love the Lord. They love kids. They're drop-dead gorgeous. They help with housework. And they have a strong romantic streak. But there's one more floor. So she goes up to the sixth floor, and the sign says this. You are the 4,363,013th visitor to their, this floor. There are no men on this floor. Which simply proves to exist that women are impossible to please. Oh... I'm in trouble. I've already alienated half the congregation. I can see it. We could have said it was a, a wives' store and same thing for men, right? Would have worked, yeah. Anyhow, I kind of like that. I hope you'll find a couple things that are in your worship folder. There's this uh, outline sheet that we're going to go over, and then there's also this history sheet, and you're going to need that a little later on if I can remember to do what I've planned to do today. Uh, first of all, last Sunday was the first Sunday of the new year, and I introduced our theme for 2008 to us. What is that theme? One word, one number. Connect 360. And I said, that is going to be our theme for this year. And I shared with you, I think I said six, but then I recounted and realized it was seven. I shared with you at least seven ways this can help us connect. And I want to review those for you today. Uh, I talked to you about happy anniversary, and I said, I hope that Connect 360 helps us to think three, uh, three ways in regards to our anniversary. Do you remember what those were? Connect 360 invites you to celebrate what? The past. The David's helping us out. The present and the future. Yes. So I hope when you see this name, Connect 360, this word and this number, that you think not only about the church's past, but it helps you connect with your own past and the present, and that you live fully in the present with an eye on the future. We are going to live into the future, Lord willing. And so that, that helps us in that way. And then I shared with you four more ways, and we spent more time on this, 
but four more ways that Connect360 can help us this year. And I said, Connect360 invites you to connect with, first of all, God. And I want to talk more about that today. And it helps us to connect with, what's number two? The church. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to speak about our connection with the church next week. There's a guy up, I think it's in Santa Cruz, somewhere here in California. His name is Dan Kimball. He's got the most amazing hairdo I've ever seen on a man. It's about this high and he's blonde. And he's quite a, he's quite a committed pastor, great pastor, I guess. But he's also very knowledgeable about the culture. And he's written a book, and the book is entitled, They Like Jesus, They Don't Like the Church. <laughs> We're going to talk about the church next week, the pluses and minuses of church life. But we, I hope Connect 360 helps you connect with the church. And then thirdly, I hope it connects us with our community, correct, our community, the folks out there like Jill talked about today. And then lastly, I said, I hope it connects us with ourselves. And I'm going to talk about that on February 10th. So that's a little bit of our overview of Connect 360. Now, this morning, I want to talk to you exclusively about why do we connect with God and how do we connect with God? What does it mean to say connect with God? Now, I believe what uh, others have said long before me, that you were created to be in a relationship with God. There's no such thing as a parent, or a child rather, who does not want to be connected to their parent. Every healthy, normal child wants to know his or her mother or father and both. We, we have that natural desire to be connected to our parents. As God has created us to have a desire to be connected to God. Now, I also gave us a theme verse, Matthew 22, the great commandment, verses 34 through 40. And you've memorized that, right? Yeah, well, a couple of you have. Uh, we're going to memorize that verse this year, right? Yes, we're going to memorize that verse. The condensed version you already know, so this is not hard, folks. Let's read uh, verse 34, I think it is, or 30, 37, rather. Uh, this morning we're going to read that together. This is the verse we're really centering on this morning, the words of Jesus. Shall we read together? He said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, to answer the question, why connect with God, if you're a person who follows the Bible, you could simply say, because the Bible says to. I'm supposed to love God. It's the greatest commandment. So that's one answer to the question. Another answer, though, is really I think you ought to be and want to be connected to your Creator. But how do we connect with God? What does it mean to be connected to God? And the next question I want to ask is, is connection automatic? Are we automatically connected to God? And the answer is, uh, well, let's read the scripture from Isaiah. I'll read it. You can listen. But the question is, are we automatically connected to God? Does it just mean it's going to happen, that you're connected? The Bible says, your wrongs have separated you from your God, and your sins have made him hide his face so that he doesn't hear you. So the answer to the question, is connection to God automatic, is no. Wrongs break our relationship with God. And if you disagree with that, I think you're just not thinking, because you actually know this to be true. Uh, I want to put up a, a picture of a, a famous woman. And if you get bored today, I would, I would actually like you to pray for this woman, because it's really quite a sad story. Brittany Spears. She has two children. Her oldest son is named Sean. He's two years old. Her youngest son is named Jaden. He's one year old. I would imagine that they're perfectly healthy, wonderful little boys. 
I would also imagine a mother would be connected to them, but she's not. It's a tragedy. Why isn't she connected to her children? Well, legally speaking, because the judge has said, you can't be connected anymore because your behavior is so bad, I'm going to separate you from your children. Can you imagine such? But it happens, doesn't it? Wrong behavior disconnects us from good relationships. So don't sit there and think, I'm automatically connected to God because you're not if your behavior disconnects you. God wants a connection. But what we do strengthens or weakens that connection. And I think we could spend a whole Sunday talking about that. I'm not going to do that today, but just let me say up front, our behavior has something to do with our connection with God. And bad behavior breaks the connection. You know that, right? I mean, Genesis chapter 3. Our foremother and forefather, Adam and Eve, broke the connection with God by disobeying God. And it's been happening ever since. It's in our nature. And so I want to encourage you this morning, but we have to speak the truth and say, we're not automatically connected to God in the way that I'm talking about connection this morning. Let's just put that out there. So, what are some keys to connection with God? And that's where I really want to center in today. And every Sunday... As Ted and I talk about worship, my prayer every week is that you experience God on this property, in this place. Whether it's in this room or a Sunday school room or in the prayer chapel, I don't care where it happens. I hope you experience God when you walk on to this block. That's our prayer. But how is it we connect to God? Now, I want to ask uh, this personally of you, and I want to get a little bit of feedback. Uh, And don't answer, you know, don't give me the Bible answer or some other answer. How do you connect with God? And I'm sure that most of us in this room would say, I have some connection with God. How does that work for you? In one or two words, what's a key for your connection with God? Let's start on the north side here. Yes, sir. Grant? What? Prayer. Yep. That's that's a big one, isn't it? What else? Silence. Silence. Okay. What's another connection to God? Music? Scripture? Mm -hmm. Felina? Reading the Word. Yes. Jill? Uh, Connecting with children and the poor. Connecting with children and the poor can connect us to God. Mm -hmm. Matthew 25 would back that up, wouldn't it? And uh, for the Southsiders here? Obedience? Obedience? Bill, you've been reading my notes? You said obedience, Bill? Somebody said obedience. The Christian friends, somebody said? Yeah. Any others? Well, obviously, I've had all week to think about this, and it's, it's pretty interesting to me. You've nailed down some of the ways I've expressed this. There's no right one way to talk about There's no one right way to talk about this. You could give many keys to connecting with God. I want you to think, though, for a moment with me as we center in on what does it mean to love God? What does it mean to connect with God? in a personal way, what does that mean for you? And I hope you'll come away with some ideas in your own head, not just what I say in the next few moments, but that you'll come away with some ideas. How do you personally connect with God? And what are some keys to that? Now, the first key that I want to put up there is the word desire, D-E-S-I-R-E, desire. If we're going to connect with God, there has to be some kind of desire. If you'd like to follow along in your Bible, uh, these are not going to be on the screen, but I'm going to read a couple of verses, and they're on page, mm, they're Matthew chapter 5, and it's on page 4 in the Bible that's in front of you, and we're going to look at that in just a moment. Um, in the Old Testament, in Jeremiah chapter 29, there are these words from the prophet, the Word of God. 
When you search for me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. Desire, seeking, searching to find God. Um, When Paul was writing as an old man to a young preacher and trying to encourage him, he wrote these words. For there is one God, and there is one who brings God and human beings together, the man Christ Jesus. That's the idea that uh, we, in the King James Version, it says there's one mediator between God and man. Now, most of us have computers, and uh, in my office is my computer, and the there are too many plugs and the, the wires are too short to reach the wall outlet. This is an old building, and, you know, each room only got one outlet back in the day. So since I can't get my computer plugged into the power outlet in the wall, what do I do? I buy a power strip. It's a few feet long, and I can plug that into the source, and I can plug my computer into all those little outlets, and I've got power. Jesus is the uh, connection. He's that power strip between us and God. And that's how we connect to God, is through Jesus Christ. He is our connection. He's the power strip. He's connected to God, and he's connected to us. And so this morning, if you are looking for the basic way to begin to connect with God, it is through Jesus Christ. Now, when Jesus was teaching in the book of Matthew in chapter 5, his great sermon, he said in verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger... That's desire. And thirst, that's desire. For righteousness, they will be filled. You want it bad enough, you're going to get it. If you uh, search for God and seek God, you'll find God. If you hunger after God and God's ways, you'll know God. A few verses later, he said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see who? God. So as we begin this today, Jesus is the bridge over troubled waters. He connects us to God. And a, a, a relationship with God, a connection with God, in some part is going to be directly related to your desire to be connected with God. So this morning I not only ask you, are you connected, but do you desire to be connected with God? It's critically important. Now, Grant, I think, mentioned another connection, another key in connection with God is, of course, prayer. And probably that would come to all of our minds. I connect to God through prayer. I hope that these questions will stimulate some thought in your life about prayer. When did you last pray? How often do you pray? Where do you pray? What's your pattern of prayer like? Now, if you said, I have a good friend, and we were able to talk about that friend, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's a child that you're very close to, maybe it's a good friend you're very close to, Uh, if you have someone that's really close to you, you talk to them, don't you? And you very well may be able to say, well, we, we talk every Sunday night to somebody who's far away. Or we have breakfast once a week together. You may be able to say a time, a place uh, about where you connect. And I want to encourage you this morning that if you don't have a regular place where you pray, you're probably missing a huge connection with God. I'm talking about a literal place. You could say, Steve, come with me. This is where I pray. I do it every morning or I do it every night or I do it at this time. Because it's critical to uh, connection with God that we have appointments, times when this is the purpose that I'm here today, I'm going to connect with God. And it, it doesn't matter if it's in the morning, that's what I prefer, or at night. You know, you can choose the best time and place for you, but choose one. And be able to document that and say, you know, this is when I meet with the Lord in prayer. This is our time, God and myself. Now, I mentioned to you the... Um, 
the little uh, handout. These are going to be in your bulletins every few weeks, once a month, once every six weeks. They're about the history of the church, and it's another way to connect with our past. There's just good information in here. But on the back of this, this is about First Clement. You probably don't know much about that book. I don't either. But you can find out. But on the back of it, there's a prayer. And I'd like for us to read that prayer together. I was going to have us say the Lord's Prayer, but uh, let's do this one. The Prayer Journal from Clement. And I want to read this prayer together, and you can read with your eyes open. The Bible says, watch and pray. So let's read this together. Did you find it? Good. Let's pray. We ask you, Master, to be our helper and protector. Save those among us who are in distress. Have mercy on the humble. Raise up the fallen. Show yourself to those in need. Heal the sick. Turn back those of your people who wander. Feed the hungry. Ransom our prisoners. Raise up the weak. Comfort the discouraged. Let all the nations know that you are the only God, that Jesus Christ is your servant, and that we are your people and the sheep of your pastor. Amen. Isn't that great? You could use that prayer throughout this week. Thank you for praying it with me. Uh, I want to read something else about prayers. We think about prayer as the key connection to God. Uh, people used to laugh at me. I, we would teach these Discover Your Gifts class. In fact, Eddie and I are going to be teaching that in a couple of weeks. This is a different curriculum than I used to use. But in my former curriculum, you came away with a list of your gifts. And uh, people would laugh at me because... I never scored anything on prayer. And they said, well, you're a pastor. Don't you pray? And I said, yeah, I pray, but prayer is not one of my gifts. I really have to work at setting aside time to pray. I'm just kind of wired to get out there and do something, not sit down and pray. So I've had to work at that. Um, earlier, uh, late last year, in fact, Jeanette's here. She recommended a book to me. We were talking about something. I don't remember what we were talking about. But she said there's a good book out that you might want to read called So Much More, An Invitation to Christian Spirituality. It's written by a woman named Deborah Reinstra, I guess is how you pronounce it. Reinstra? Reinstra, I was debating. Um, you can pick it up at the Fuller Bookstore, but it's called So Much More. And Deborah is an English teacher who's written this book on spirituality. It's a little bit like C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. And in it, she's talking about prayer. She has a chapter on prayer. One of the uh, things I enjoyed about this book, because it's written by a woman, it's a very different, a lot of different illustrations in this book that you wouldn't normally read from a male writing about these subjects. So I've enjoyed it immensely. She tells this story. One evening, as I tucked my five-year-old Philip into bed, we were talking about prayer. I explained that when he got a little older, he would start learning to hear God talking to him in his heart. Apparently, he liked that. He liked that idea because a few days later, he said to Ron, Dad, I think I'm old enough now to hear God speaking to me in my heart. Not having heard my talk, about, uh, my talk with Philip, Ron was absolutely astonished by his early age, such a tender, receptive soul. Really, he said gently, what do you hear God saying? That he loves me. That he loves me. Mm. That says it all. When you connect with God, above all else, you ought to know you're God's beloved. He loves you. That's bottom line. That's the most important thing I can ever say as a pastor to you. God loves you. You're his beloved. And as you pray, 
that ought to come to the top. God loves you. And so I'm hopeful that because of Connect 360, in some small way it reminds you of your connection to God, and you do what it takes on your end of the stick to be connected to God. Desire is part of that. Prayer is part of that. And somebody mentioned obedience. That's the next key I want to come at, because we really cannot ignore obedience if we're going to connect to God. Obedience. Throughout the world on this Sunday, a lot of churches, not every church, but many churches are talking about the baptism of Jesus. If you're going through the church calendar, this would probably be the Sunday you'd mention Jesus' baptism. It's mentioned in Matthew chapter 3. At the opening chapter of, opening verse of Matthew, we read these words, In those days when John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. What was John's message? One word? Repent, yeah. And in verse 6 it says, the people who heard and respond, they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So the people heard John preach about repentance, turn away from your sins, do what God wants you to do, not what you want to do. They said, oh, we'll respond, and they went and confessed their sins. They were baptized by John. It's a baptism of repentance. Now, the problem here is, later in the chapter, we read this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. What's up with that? That's a big problem for us Christians, isn't it? Why? Because Jesus had no sins to repent of. We believe he was the sinless Son of God. If that's true, what's he doing at John's baptism? In fact, John was so disturbed, he said, Jesus, you should baptize me, not me, you. And Jesus responded, and this is found in Matthew because Matthew is aware of this tension here, I believe. Jesus responded, look, it fulfills all righteousness. It's another way of Jesus saying this is what obedient followers of God do. They get baptized, and I'm doing this to fulfill all righteousness. And he was baptized. Now, as you come to faith in God, as you connect and whether you prayed a certain prayer or some way you said, I trust Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, what's the first step of obedience that some pastor is going to tell you to take? Get baptized. Because that's what Jesus said in the Great Commission. Make disciples and baptize them. And so I hope this morning that as you think of obedience, you go back to your baptism because that was the step of obedience that you took to say, I am now a follower of Jesus and I'm going to try to obey him. That's the vow we made. It's like a wedding ring. As we were baptized into Christ, we were obedient. We're saying, I'm going to do this because God told me to do it. And so this morning, as you think about your life and connection with God, the reality is that as we obey God, that helps us in our connection. As we disobey God, it hurts us in our connection. There's no other way to put it. You know that's true. And so do I. And so I encourage you this morning to remember uh, this key as well, the key of obedience. Jesus himself said, if you, love you, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And that's part of love. Now, I've given you three keys that I've been thinking about. The key of desire, I really want to be connected with God. I want to know God and the power of his resurrection. That's a key. I've given you the key of prayer. We all know about that key. We've talked about the key of obedience. There's one more I want to talk about. It's different. These first three keys really have a lot to do with you and your effort. There is some effort involved in this. You have to have some discipline and desire and all of that stuff. If you don't work at the relationship, it's going to falter, like any other relationship. 
Every good relationship you have requires something from you. You have to work at it, right? It's no different with God. So those first three are kind of your responsibility. This last one has very little to do with you. That's a relief, isn't it? Just sit up and take a deep breath. This last one's fun. The word I'm using is the word mystery. You could use the word transcendence. Transcendence means, you know, something beyond what you really understand, something beyond your limited capacities. And that's what I'd like you to think about in the end. Because, my friend, when we talk about connection with God, it's not just you connecting to God. It's also God connecting to you. Another way to put this better in my language, my understanding, God moments. Do you know what a God moment is? I mean, I was sitting this week thinking of God moments. I've had lots of them. I don't mean I've had them every week or every day, anything like that. But I was thinking of when our third son was born. It was a huge God moment for me. The birth of a child is often a God moment for a parent. When you just feel like God is so close and you're so sure God is real. You've had those moments? I hope so. Those are the mysterious moments. In the book of Matthew, he talks about these moments. And I just want to run through some. We're not going to turn to the scriptures. But uh, in the very first chapter, you remember Joseph uh, had a, he was about to marry Mary. And he realized she's pregnant. And so he said, I can't marry her. I don't know how she got pregnant, but I'm out of here. And then what happened? In a dream, in a mysterious moment... God said, Mary, Mary. And he did. In the next chapter, the wise men come. They worship Jesus. They give the gifts and all that. And they're going to go back to Herod so he too can come and worship like they planned. And what happened? In a mysterious moment, God revealed himself to them. And God said, go home a different way. And they did. Later, Joseph has escaped with Mary to Egypt. He's down there. God comes to him again in a dream and says, you can go home now. You can go back up north. And he does. There are lots of these mysterious moments. In fact, one of the most famous ones is in Matthew chapter 17. We call it when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration. And there he goes up there, and with three of his top leaders, his disciples, they see the glory of God on Jesus, and they hear the voice of God. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. It's, it's such an amazing moment. Peter never forgot it. The rest of his life, he remembered that moment, and he writes a bit about it. Now, I look through a lot of art. You know, so much art is out of Italy, and it's Italian, and you're just like, eh. Uh, So I found this. It's from uh, the country of Cameroon. An African artist did this a few years ago. And uh, it's a picture of the Mount of Transfiguration, as this artist uh, sees it in his own mind. And it kind of helps us to think of those mysterious moments when we're not doing anything. We're just kind of living our life, and God connects with us. And I want to encourage you today, I pray those moments happen to you and that you identify them as God moments and you just love God because it happened. And uh, I think those will be happening to you as you pray and as you follow the Lord. Now, I want to conclude where we started. Are you connected to God? I can't answer the question for you. I cannot answer it. Are you connected to God? How's the connection? God wants a connection with you. And the way I'm going to conclude today is to read some scripture to you, and I want you to listen. You might want to bow your head and close your eyes. You might want to have your eyes open. Whatever works well for you to really help you listen. I'm going to end with these words from Jesus. And they're really words that go back to what I said a moment ago. God loves you. God wants to be in relationship with you. He wants it so badly. He loves you so much. You are his beloved child. So listen to these words of invitation as I read. The words of Jesus. Come to me. Come, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. 
The next scripture. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come to you. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of heaven belongs. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come, come to the banquet. Then one last scripture. Again, the words of Jesus. Listen. Listen. I'm standing at the door, knocking. If you will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat with you and you with me.